Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 15 of The Snapshot. We are your hosts. My name is Brendan Patrick, and I'm joined by none other than Marvel Snap Phenom, KM Best. The Snapshot is a Marvel Snap podcast focused on the competitive side of the game. And for episode 15, we're joined by fellow Marvel Snap content creator, Binks, to talk about the new weekly over-the-air car- card balance changes, the Animals Assemble metagame, and top-performing lists, as well as much, much, much more. We just got off the conversation. It's a great one. You're going to want to be here for it. Let's get into it. All right, Cam, talk to me about your week in Marvel Snap. Enjoyable. I mean, fresh off the best of the besties last week, I got to finally experiment with some decks that I think can really beat Shuri. Mm-hmm. Uh, since they toned down Shuri, or I should say Red Skull and Sunspot, just a little bit, I think we are cl- getting closer to the inflection point at which other decks can threaten the Red Skull lane, which gives me a lot of hope for the future. Uh, the the deck that most recently was proving this point was Boomer's Bounce deck with Iron Man in it to threaten the Red Skull lane. Things like that might be the way to go now if you want to play something a little underrated. Make sure you have a plan to win the Red Skull lane and you can probably pull it off. So I'm definitely happy about that. Mm-hmm. For sure. And this this list, the Boomer list in particular, I'll make sure to flash it on YouTube. Um, but... Do you, can you give me like a general idea of the cards in that list? I just want to make sure our audio listeners get a better idea because it was some feedback we got on the last pod. was just like, if you can... Oh, okay. So it's a bounce deck, but instead of running America Chavez at the top end, and actually even instead of Hitmonkey, he entered this exact same list in a tournament just on Saturday with no Hitmonkey in the list at all because mm-hmm. it sort of detracts from the synergy that you are uh, applying here. It's basically just a standard bounce deck, but with Darkhawk Mystique and Iron Man is your top end. There's a lot of playing Iron Man on turn five that happens in this list. It's sacrificing subtlety for power, but the upside is you are usually able to go pretty damn big in an Iron Man lane in a way that a Shuried Red Skull will not be able to match now. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, What is your overall thoughts of Hitmonkey post-release? Where do you think it lies in terms of power level? And do you think specifically this card will be further unlocked once Kitty Pride is reintroduced back into the game? I would say that Kitty Pride does want to go with Hitmonkey, but it's harder to figure out than people think it is. I would also say that Hitmonkey itself is a great season pass card in the sense that it is a fun build around card that is not broken. Mm -hmm. It is just a nice little card that boosts some archetypes. The counters are very obvious. Wave, Sandman, Leech. And the ways to beat it, if it ever gets too strong, are always going to be there. Now, there are going to be some issues in terms of, you know, like, what could it be stronger? And I think, you know, maybe it could. But right now it's a very good card with some very clearly defined counters. And there's kind of a cap on how good any card with very clearly defined counters can be if it doesn't have a way to insulate itself against those counters. And so right now there's no way to insulate yourself against Sandman the way, say, a Red Skull deck can insulate itself against Shang-Chi with Cosmo and armor. Mm hmm. Awesome. Well, my week in Marvel Snap, I was playing a little bit as it came out. I was trying to get away from Shuri. Actually, pre-nerf, I played a bit of a deck list called Bass Oracle. Let's see if my overlay works here. 
It does not. Well, it is Bass, Nova, Angela, Hitmonkey, Goose, Sentinel, Mysterio, Bishop, Wolfsbane, Killmonger, Shang-Chi, Sarah. Fun to play. Ultimately, it's probably not better than Shuri, even post-nerf, but very uh, very competitive decklist, and I did have fun getting to experiment with Hitmonkey. I agree with you that I think it is a cool, strong card, not broken, and I think, you know, maybe our gone, maybe our gone of the days of, you know, the Silver Surfer, Zabu, and we can sort of stay in this, you know, just good card release. I, I like that. I like that for the season pass. And I do like where Hitmonkey landed in terms of game design, but been having fun with it. Um, and we'll be exploring, uh, sort of exploring more as we head into the week. Anyway, Cam, no news and no bend and snap section this week because it's all in the main topic with Binks and it's a great interview. So let's get into it. So today's guest is one of my personal favorite content creators, uh, Binks, who you can find him on YouTube and Twitch at Binks Plays. And he is, uh, I think, the thing that first attracted me to Binks was that he paid the Voros twins to do a cameo where they called him the Binksy and then made that his sub sound. I was like, oh man, this guy is such a better prepared streamer than I am. This guy is so <laughs> cool. <And laughs> so I started hanging out in his stream and you know, he's awesome. It's very fun to watch. So definitely check him out. I know he does duo streams on Twitch and YouTube simultaneously. He's got a little bot that puts the comments over there. So it's like one big comment section. Uh, and so I think that means he actually has like a larger reach in terms of any of his individual streams than basically anyone else on the platform. Uh, as far as I can tell, at least on Twitch, cause the YouTube audience is very large. And I wanted to bring him on here. Uh, not because he, not just because he's the Binksy, but because he's someone who does daily Marvel snap content mm. and he's, he does daily Marvel snap content for a very, I guess, curated audience of people who are not super duper tryhards uh he does he does curated marvel snap content for i mean I, what i think you're probably your most famous video was i have not hit infinite and that's okay and then your next most famous video is i hit infinite <laughs> <laughs> so i i think that the thing that really made me want to get you on this podcast other than the fact that we're having an upcoming snap battle other than the fact that you're a cool dude was I feel like you have one of the best mentalities for Marvel Snap of any of the content creators out there. And I just sort of, I guess that's kind of where I wanted to start, was as someone who is doing daily Marvel Snap content for an audience of people who just want to see you have fun. We see so many people out there talking about, like, it's impossible to have fun right now. There's too much Shuri. There's too much whatever the boogeyman is. And I kind of just wanted to get your take on how you still manage to do that. Yeah, well, uh, thanks for the intro. That was, that was incredibly kind words, man. Um, but uh, yeah, so what, what I've always thought with like card games um, and, and how I've always had the most fun is to just try and do things a little bit different and try and do things my own way. Uh, you know, prior to Snap, the only other card game I'd really gotten into was Hearthstone. And I played specifically Wild Hearthstone, which kind of opens up uh, and has all these different cards. And I was really inspired by uh, a couple of different content creators in Wild Hearthstone, uh, specifically Dane Hearth and Raffle. And what I really liked about them is that they wouldn't just be people who would find the best deck out there. They would use their creativity to create a deck that just kind of worked, had a cool and kind of like unique or novel concept 
uh, were just like a lot of fun to play. And then, you know, their streams were just trying to make it work and they would put out videos and content just kind of showing off uh, those uh, the, those decks. And that was something that I really liked. Uh, I, I feel like the, the creativity behind um, going on stream and creating a brand new deck every single day that's not been tested uh, and then just running that on the ladder for several hours and just kind of starting to slowly figure out exactly how things uh, work, uh, how to change up some pieces and make sure that uh, the, the deck's operating as much as possible. Uh, that kind of like learning curve to it uh, has always been something that helps the game feel fresh for me. Now, you, you mentioned like, how do you how do you continue having fun with Marvel Snap? I think that that's a lot behind it because, you know, people will, will just keep playing these same like two or three decks that they play and then they'll be facing these you know, two or three decks that are kind of dominating the ladder and being the best ones out there. So then it becomes very samey for you. But, you, you know, I, I can accept losses to, to Shuri Red's goal. You know, when they hit the nuts, I don't think pretty yeah. much anything anything can beat them, right? So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's it. It's just trying to keep things fresh, trying to be innovative myself and, and find new things uh, on my side to to change up enough to, to keep the game fresh. Mm -hmm. Is there, like, a specific deck that you've put together that you're really sad didn't take off because you, you you've seen decks like succeed to various levels, right? Mm -hmm. I think you're probably patient zero for the resurgence of Dark Hawk Dino, right? And uh, I, I first of all, I love that deck. It's one of my favorite archetypes of all time. I'm 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 the biggest sucker for any dinosaur deck. Uh, mm -hmm. It reminds me of the old days, and I will play it every single time. But I guess secondarily, like. Are there any decks that you've built that you're like, I think this actually has juice and just nobody ever picked it up? Yeah, there's a couple that I've done recently that I think are really cool. One of them is Zongoings, like a Zabu ongoing style deck that also runs the Wong Spectrum as well as like the Wong Hazmat Luke Cage combo. Uh, I think that that deck has has a lot of potential uh, as as that deck can get kind of moved around because there's a lot of different moving pieces that you can put into it. Um, so maybe that wouldn't be something that would be actually like top tier, but I think that it is a competitive and incredibly fun and dynamic deck to play. Uh, so, so I think that like Zongoing was, was really, really good. You actually, <laughs> you said that I actually just pulled up my, my YouTube and, and, and popped in to, to try and take a peek at a, uh, a couple of things. Uh, I'm trying to get Heimdall kind of, I'm trying to get like a Heimdall resurgence. I've been trying oh that for a God. really You're long like time. The, you've I think been a Heimdall truther for six months right it's like such a cool you've card been like, dude. you've been like all right you should everyone everyone who's playing a ramp deck should just play heimdall and scam people and it's mm. like you know what that probably works like as long as <laughs> it's like so it's, it's something that's impossible for me to do because if i don't play bots i play the same people and so if once mm. you pull off a scam one time you can't pull off the scam again right mm -hmm. and so like i i am wholly unable to enjoy the joy of a heimdall ramp deck which I imagine would be incredibly fun because no one plays around it. it I am unable to enjoy it because if I get one person with it, they're going to be like, you're not getting me with that again. Yeah, and stuff like that is definitely not like a battle mode deck. So, yeah, I think that I do have a version of Heimdall. I call it Hog C. It's just called Heimdall Octopus Good Cards. It's basically a good cards deck. And it's Heimdall and Octopus. It's actually the one of the battle mode decks that I destroyed. I beat Dara with it. Uh, who is who uh, just just went and won like a huge tournament like early on in battle mode. Uh, that was one of the, the things I brought to our so show match. It was the one that uh, I think I crushed him with it. I think I got of like nine cubes to zero uh, because of the first game I played Heimdall. I don't know. A very humble, a very humble of you. <laughs> I think I crushed him. I don't know. I'm pretty sure, I'm 
pretty sure I crushed him. He dusted me the other. He dusted me the other two games, but but I'll always take that that uh, that W uh, to to the house. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that's cool. I, I did a Sauron Surfer deck that was a ton of fun recently. I think like Shadow King might fit into Surfers. Like trying to like mix multiple archetypes is is something yeah. that I've been really really enjoying. Uh, I, w- I would say. Mm-hmm. For the record, I do actually think Shadow King does go into Surfer. Uh, I think I it does now, right? I am unable to test this because I do not own Shadow King, and I do not plan on buying him because he's the only Series Four card I have outstanding. So eventually, I will open him. Thus, mm-hmm. I will not know this until. Uh, the RNG gods see fit to bless me with a series four drop. Now, I I do think it goes for the right, just mild tangent. Yeah, I think it goes in Silver Surfer because one of the things that Silver Surfer always struggled with was do we have enough tech and offense at the same time? And Silver Surfer was at its best when the tech was the offense, when it could run mm-hmm. Cosmo and it could just sort of offensively use the tech and boost it with a Silver Surfer. Shadow King, much more Shang-Chi, but maybe playable in the context of the current metagame, sure. Um... Outside of that, uh, I guess I guess I guess I want to uh, see sort of as a weekly rotation is fast approaching, given their recent announcements for OTAs. What what sort of plans do you have for when that kind of thing hits? Like, are you just going to be immediately in the lab or are you just going to take it how it comes each week? Yeah, that's interesting. I, I definitely feel like um, every time one of those hits, uh, I'll, I'll certainly try and uh, at least highlight the newly buffed card uh, if, if it's something that I do think can have some build around potential, because I think that that's always something that's really fun. Whenever someone sees a buff, the first thing that they're thinking is, OK, how can I actually utilize this and being able to provide that for people and, uh, you know, show my take on, on how to take that newly buffed card and use it. Uh, and sometimes even like when when nerfs happen, like, for instance, we had nerfs that hit uh, both Silver Surfer uh, and Zabu. And then Zabu, uh, which first of all, Zabu, the, the Zabu nerf is, I think, a literal masterclass in how you nerf a card. Like that card is still so fun and so good. Uh, but but they, t- they took away like the, the horrible things for it. Um, so that little tangent, but I, but I just think, I, I don't think I've ever seen a nerf in a card game better than the Zabu nerf. It was just perfectly elegant. And the card went from like crazy overpowered unfun to like, very powerful and very fun and people love playing with it now um but then zabu got that new tech of being able to be played in mr negative so then like right right after both those got nerfed and i took both the nerf cards put them into like a surfer negative deck um so i think that being able to highlight them in the the first two maybe streams that i do after it is is really fun but dude no one i think outside of like League of Legends, like like no other game gets like buffed and changed uh, as quickly as Snap is going to. And I think that that's something that's mm-hmm. insanely cool. I know they've been talking about it for a while, but I, I just think that the constant freshness it should be bringing into the game. I'm unbelievably excited about it. I think it's going to be so good for Snap. Yeah, other card games are almost the polar opposite where you're waiting three to six months between sets and you have almost zero content. It's like as a as a Marvel Snap content creator, we are really spoiled with not only quality of life updates, which happen constantly, just kind of in the background, but the the release of cards, we're getting multiple cards per month. And now these OTA changes, these over-the-air changes, they're going to be starting to happen weekly. They are trial perioding this in May. So maybe it won't, that's not, 
going to be the future, but it looks like two to four cards per week. I mean, even if they are just a point here, point there on some cards that are underplayed, like that is so much to work with in terms of like re-engaging with the game, building new decks and having fun. One thing I want to ask you, Banks, and I'm fascinated with this when it comes to daily content, is just the logistics of creating something every single day how do you do it how do you stay inspired and like what does your actual like your literal daily process look like to kind of get that done yeah dude great question so so i i do my streams late at night so i do 9 p.m to like 1 or 2 a.m uh pretty much every night so uh i just always liked doing late streams i used to do psycho late streams and start at like one in the morning and go until like six in the morning I was crazy back then. I was kind of like lining up with my, my girlfriend's um, sleep schedule because she was doing overnight nursing. But um, so, so now essentially uh, I will try and create t- uh, the next day's video at some point like during the day. Uh, so I just take the time. Uh, I'm at the point where I can like, you know, edit a whole video within about 40, 45 minutes. So, um, you know, once you get your flow really, really well down, uh, you can knock that out. Uh, I try and get a short prepared every single day uh, to, to put out on YouTube as well. Uh, and then at some point during the day, I kind of like get my idea for what I want to do during the deck. It could be like a kind of like archetype that I haven't talked about in a while. It could be something like a card's been changed recently and I want to jump into it. Or it could just be like a random idea that I have. That can sometimes be an issue is, is thinking up of something every single day. Uh, it, it definitely becomes the hardest thing, but I feel like there's so many different cards in this game. And even if you change like three cards in the deck, you can find something that's very unique and it feels very different play style. Um, so I just usually just try and find a different archetype. Uh, I've talked about on stream a couple of times about usually how I build decks. It's like start with an idea or start with a single card that I want to highlight and then just kind of like branch off of it from there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, um, yeah, and then so I'll I'll try and get my uh, my video uh, created for the next day uh, during the day. Uh, sometimes that doesn't happen. I have to do it after my stream, which is a bit of a nightmare. And I have those videos release uh, re- released the next morning. But but my content it's very straightforward. Uh, I, I will be the one to kind of call it low effort to an extent because it's not. I don't do a lot of edits in between each individual game. I pretty much just have. Uh, if you, if you open up a Banks video, you know exactly what you're going to get. You're going to get about a two to three minute, uh, introduction talking about the deck and some of the deck choices. And then you're going to get about somewhere between like eight to 10 different games through it. And then you're going to get my weird little outro where I scare you because it looks like it's a still frame, but then I'm actually alive. Do you have any days <laughs> where you're just like, um, you're just not feeling it right? Or maybe you, the, the juices aren't flowing. You, you don't know what to play. And then how do you kind of get past those? Cause daily content, I'm sure, you know, when there's a patch, when there's a release of like a new card that you like, it's easy. But there's got to be some days, I assume, throughout that process where it's like, hmm, like, what am I doing today? How do you how do you sort of get past that? And what's your strategy to deal with sort of the off days? Yeah, that's that, that's a great question. I mean, you, you know, being that this is kind of like my full time gig now uh, because I um, I wasn't ever planning on making this my full time gig, or I was going to wait a long time. But uh, I, got, I got laid off from my job in August, and then. Uh, since then, uh, I've just kind of, um, kind of full switch to it. Um, you know, I just kind of, I do just kind of consider it a, a job. So I don't really have a choice of, uh, not, not being able to do it to, to an extent. So there's kind of like that, that, uh, overlooming pressure where even though if I'm not like hundred percent feeling it, I can kind of do that. Um, so that's one part of it is just kind of like being, uh, I guess, quote unquote forced to, to, to keep the content, uh, content train rolling. But, um, uh, I don't know. I mean, for inspiration, sometimes 
like I, I pretty much take all of my ideas uh, of my own. Um, occasionally, I'll just like jump into some other people's Marvel Snap streams to to see what they're playing. Maybe get some inspiration. Um, uh, different things like that. Sometimes I even just show up on stream and be like, hey, I have no idea what I'm going to do today. Uh, YouTube makes that a little bit hard because I do have to make a thumbnail uh, for, oh, yeah. for, for it before the before it actually goes out. Uh, so sometimes I'll just uh, make like a super generic name, a super generic title. I'll jump on stream and then I'll just talk to my chat and be like, hey, someone convince me to play something. Let's uh, let, let's do it's it. It's exposed so, as filthy net decker. <laughs> Yeah, I just I just, I just go on uh, Marvel. <laughs> I just go on Marvel Snap Zone. I click uh, most popular decks, and then I just scroll down. <laughs> and I change one card. Yeah, it's easy. that's how I do it. You change one card, it's your deck. Everyone, everyone agrees with so that. True. Like you change one card, look, look, one card. That's like that's like nine percent of the deck. All right, it's, it's like eight point. I'm not doing the math. Percent of the deck. All right, it, <laughs> it's you change two cards. That's that's like sixteen. Oh man, you, it's over. It's over if you change two cards. <laughs> yeah, it's mine now. This is I made this. Binks, what I, was I your... took Sunspot out of Shuri and put Iceman in, bro. I invented a whole new deck. Claps, claps for Cam. Binks, I wanted to ask, what was your history before Marvel Snap? And I did have a chance to sort of scroll through your YouTube and the uh, pre-Marvel mm -hmm. Snap days. What was it like to blow up how you did in Marvel Snap? Dude, it's it's wild, man. Uh, so uh, if people don't know, I, I was been putting out content for like two years uh, prior to Marvel Snap. It was just a lot of variety stuff. I was playing some random roguelikes like Spelunky and uh, Wizard of Legends, some Hades content. Uh, then I was playing Pokemon Unite a lot for a while. I had a couple of Hearthstone videos out there. Um, but as far as like streaming and and putting out YouTube videos like for streams. Uh, I would get, you know, four people watching me would be like a good day, like having, having four people uh, watching the stream. And then for YouTube videos, you know, if it gets over 10, I'm feeling pretty good. So, um, you, you know, I jumped in a, to, to Marvel Snap right right when it came out. Uh, I got it all set up, set up to uh, stream it because uh, I, I really respect Ben Broad. I think that he's an, an awesome uh, game designer and uh, I was super excited and intrigued, especially when uh, Trump, who's a, a Hearthstone uh, creator, came out and said he'd done some alpha testing and it's like the best game he's ever played. So I was like uh, through the moon, super hyped to, to get my hands on it. And I started pumping out content every single day for it. And I was one of the very first people to do that. So uh, it was definitely kind of a, a, a situation where I put in the work right away from someone who'd already like kind of worked to understand being a content creator. Um, so I just been able, was able to from day one uh, put, put a lot of effort behind it. And then it just kind of um, really quickly started started to gain some momentum. And then I don't know, man. It was like a it was like a drug, dude. Once I started to get that momentum, I started to get more viewers. I started to get more things like that. I just like kept getting more and more excited to uh, to to put my time into it. And there was definitely lulls during um, uh, during like beta uh, where viewership was super super down. Like there was like this big spike, and then viewership was super, super down. Uh, so I wasn't taking it like as seriously, I would say. Uh, and then once global launch hit, like things just went into overdrive and like to, everything started like 10 Xing as far as like who was watching it and everything like that. So yeah, it was just really cool, man. I mean, I, I, I do want to start getting back more into variety. I have been trying to uh, a, a fit variety back into my stream as much as I can uh, to try and play some, you, you know, different additional things, uh, stuff like that. But you know, uh, being able to play Marvel Snap every single day, it's uh, it's crazy. I still pinch myself every single day thinking that, 
you, you know, uh, between like Twitch and YouTube, I have what, like 1300, 1400 people on average watching me every single day. It's, uh, uh, it's, it's weird. Like it's something that, uh, I, I try not to take for granted at all, uh, because it's, uh, uh, you, you know, kind of like a dream come true in many ways. What was the goal of the YouTube channel back in the day when you did have that lower viewership? Were you, what was your sort of end state where you are right now? And did you believe that you would get here, get to a point where you are having the viewership that you have now and that you were able to swap into a full-time gig um, with something like Marvel Snap? Like, it sounds like you went through, you know, like you said, a two-year period of putting out content, putting out this variety content and, you know, where you are now is, more than a hundred X. Did you believe that you were going to get here and was getting here the goal? Uh, no, I absolutely did not think I was ever going to get here. Uh, the goal of streaming. And this is my biggest hint that I, whenever anyone asks me about streaming, the first thing I ever say is go into it, expecting to never have any success and just have it be a hobby. Uh, because if you go into streaming because you see like some of your favorite streamers and you see all the chat interaction that they get and like all this like views and things like that that they get uh, and that's your expectation of being a streamer that's not what happens like he, he, you know almost everyone who who starts streaming uh they they you know stream to just like a couple of people if you put out youtube videos only a few people ever see it very few people actually you know, even watch even like a big chunk of your videos, like maybe one or two will, will ever do it for, for any of your videos that go out. And that can be really discouraging. But for me, it was just a hobby. You know, it's something that I started during quarantine because uh, I was living by myself and I was really bored. Uh, I would consumed a lot of streaming and YouTube content, uh, especially gaming content um, from people like Northern Line and Dan Giesling, who are like two of my just absolute goaded streamers and goaded YouTube creators. I was like, hey, I kind of want to, I kind of want to try this. It seems like a lot of fun. It seems like something that would be a good social outlet for me uh, to be able to stream. And, you know, if there ever is anyone in chat, I could talk to them. And if not, I could just kind of talk to the camera. It could be a way uh, so that uh, <laughs> the only person I'm talking to is my dog and I'm not like slowly going crazy. That's wild. Humble beginnings. I want to circle back to the OTA changes, the ones that specifically happened, just to talk about the meta and talk about Animals Assemble, talk about the first week of the season here. Um, so we did enter the Animals Assemble season with uh, sort of same old, same old, right? We had some nurse hit, but Shuri did seem to really be the best deck. But then boom, OTA changes. Not that... Oh, I'll let KM and Binks weigh in and like how much that's changed the quote unquote Shuri meta, but let's just go over the, the changes first. Sunspot is a, was a 1 1, is now a 1 0. Red Skull 5 13 is now a 5 12. KM, you can dive into why that's so important with the uh, the Moon Girl Devil Dinosaur uh, sort of comparison. Shadow King 4 3 to now a 3 3, which is a buff. Um, and Sentry a 4 8 to a 4 10, and now the Void it creates, I believe, is a minus 10 instead of a minus 8. What do you think about these changes and do you think that they actually impact um, the meta and the ladder that we were seeing in early animals assemble season either of you can take it i'll shoot uh so the first two are okay i guess i'll just go through them in order because i actually think i was going to talk about the first two in the context of shuri but sunspot deserves a bigger conversation mm -hmm. i think the sunspot nerfs actually kind of pisses me off um it's i i really 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 i cannot i cannot stress this enough I hate it when they nerf stuff in pool one and pool two. I hate it so much. I especially hate it when they just released a card that fills Sunspot's role arguably better already. And that card costs 6,000 tokens. I'm not going to be the guy who's going to be out here who's like, oh, well, they obviously did that to make you buy Kitty Pride. Oh, do you, do you do not believe that they're like the most evil company on the world? You, you absolute mark. But like, <laughs> I do think it sucks. 
I don't care what their motivations for it are. I care that it happened. I care that that is like, regardless of whether or not their motivations for it were, all right, Sunspot sincerely overplayed and we have to make the right decision for this game. The situation they created still sucks where there's Sunspot and then there's the better Sunspot, except the better Sunspot costs one hundred and fifty dollars. And I get it. You know, Sunspot still has upside with She-Hulk. But one of the like I talked with KJB, for those of you who don't know who KJB is, he is a guy who has been crushing tournaments with Shuri. He came in second and best of the besties with Shuri. He just top aided the most recent snap battle arena with Shuri. You know what he said about Sunspot? The card sucks in the deck now. Mm-hmm. It's just not good, even in the She-Hulk deck. And I mean, he didn't say it. And it, I, I will be fair to KJ. But he didn't say the card sucks in the deck. He basically said, like, look, unless I'm playing She-Hulk, it's not the card I want to be playing. And we talked about it. The options we came up with for changing were Iceman and Nightcrawler. And like, that's that's like fine. In the context of Shuri, you're probably are doing that right. When I tested other decks into Shuri, one of the things that really stuck out is that Sunspot on one no longer gives you priority. Mm. Though Sunspot on one in one lane, another card on one in another lane, and like you would actually reasonably a lot of the time be having priority in those situations, or at least be threatening it. And when you look, when you think about the, a card going from one to zero is not just a one power nerf; it's a like it doesn't affect the board the turn it comes down anymore. It's what ha- infinite, it's what killed Angela. Infinite power. It's yeah. It's what killed Angela. It's literally the, this this thing is what killed Angela when priority decks were huge. The fact that she didn't let you do it. The fact that she didn't give you any was that that she was just absolute negative tempo. She represented purely a future investment, and and now Sunspot is exactly the same thing. And so you have this awkward situation where like. Kitty is probably better Sunspot, I don't know, 75% of the time. And now it is probably more than 75% of the time that Kitty is better Sunspot, or Iceman is better Sunspot, or Nightcrawler is better Sunspot. And it's like, okay, if it's Iceman and Nightcrawler, you know, that's one thing. But the fact that Kitty Pride is theoretically coming back and is going to be better than Sunspot in, like, the generic one-drop slot and cost 6,000 tokens really pisses me off. As far as the other nerfs, uh, Red Skull, one of the things that I like to talk about a lot with Shuri is I feel like there's going to be an inflection point at which they can suddenly lose the Red Skull lane, right? So if you think about it, like their play is like Cosmo, Shuri, Red Skull, right? That's Cosmo, Shuri, Red Skull, Taskmaster, and a one drop. That puts a pretty hard cap on how high they can go in the Red Skull lane. They get as high as Cosmo, plus the Red Skull, plus maybe a Titania. And the smaller that number gets, the more other decks can swing the matchup by swinging that lane. Because basically every Shuri player at this point is extremely confident in their Shuris. I get a Shuri, I'm snapping, I'm playing the Red Skull, I'm winning that lane. I don't even feel like I need to reinforce it some of the time with the Titania. Maybe I need to use the Titania in the third lane that doesn't have a Taskmaster or Red Skull in it if it's close, right? So... If you know that number, if you have that number in mind when deck building, you can swing that lane. And the reason I'm so laser focused on swinging that lane with power is because if you try to swing that lane with Shang-Chi or Shadow King or Valkyrie, the deck has counterplay to that. They have Cosmo. They have armor. They have things that can stop you from doing that, but they don't have things that make them go bigger than they are. They are built to stop you interacting with them but you can still go bigger than them. This is why the Iron Man and the bounce deck stuff works, right? Like 
you have the ability to go bigger than them, and there's nothing they can do to stop you. They don't run interactive cards. They run anti-interactive cards. They run the cards that stop you from interacting. Mm -hmm. So if you go bigger in that lane, well, there's going to be one of the lanes that doesn't have a Taskmaster in it, too. And as long as you win that, and you win the lane the Red Skull is in, you're good as gold. And so that's that's where a lot of my deck building theory has been recently, where it's like, all I want to do is win that lane. That lane that they put the Red Skull in, I would like to win it. And if they don't do Shuri Red Skull, well, so much the better. <laughs> but I want to be able to win that lane. And the smaller Red Skull gets, the more realistic it is that Shuri gets capped at like plus 10 or plus 8 or whatever. The smaller it gets, the more likely that is to work. And right now, I think we're at a point where it is entirely possible mm -hmm. to outpower them in that lane. And it will require something of not necessarily an evolution from the Shuri deck, but the best Shuri players are still probably going to do very well, but it's not just going to be a deck you pick up and win with anymore. Mm -hmm. There are going to be people who are going to understand your deck better than you do. If you do that. Yeah. Much less linear too. Do you think that as soon as that happens, right? As soon as they can't consistently win that lane, almost, I guess, without thinking about it, right? If like it, when they're not the number one point slam deck, do you think that that deck just becomes kind of mid tier? Because right, I think that's what made the deck so good, right? Is like like you said, you can basically just always win the red skull lane. You don't even have to think about it. You can you have Titania if you want to end on six with Titania in that lane to add even more points, but you're often playing it in the third lane. So as soon as they get red skull low enough, or maybe they rework something else, like things like bounce and things like other point slam decks, whether it's you know maybe like surfer whatever i think surfer is maybe not it but that does that deck just like quickly fall out of this like s tier as soon as it it, it can be when beat? we hit that inflection point it will drop like a rock yeah i don't know if we've hit it yet but like when we hit the point at which that thing is no longer a thing i won't say necessarily it'll drop like a rock because like it's still running like what the other the other 10 cards in the deck other than Shuri and Red Skull are still like what the best cards in the game. Mm -hmm. Like it's not like it's running bad cards. It's still a good cards deck that can really pull it out. I still think it's one of the best decks right now, even if we've hit that inflection point. So I don't think I don't think it's going to I don't think if they keep it like it is right now, it's not going to drop. Mm -hmm. But if they do something to Shuri, which they have announced that they're going to do, I'm a little worried. I'm yeah. a little I don't want to say I'm worried for sure, but like it's like I think right now we're like right at the exact point where there are other decks that can beat it. And if you tone it down a little bit more, I think, you know, that's fine. But if you do something to fundamentally change Shuri, like my proposed nerf for Shuri would be to cap her at plus 10. Yo, that seems same. fine to me. <laughs> like that seems fine to me. That would be the kind of thing that takes the deck to be very in line with the thing other things are doing. I'm good with that. Mm hmm. Binks, uh, your thoughts on the nerfs, and then if you also want to just expand to Shadow King and Sentry, if you've played at all with those, or if, like you said, you know, Shadow King may be uh, fitting into the Surfer deck now. Yeah, so uh, for Sunspot, it's just kind of tough, right? Because there's these kind of king one-drops mm -hmm. right now uh, in, like, Sunspot and uh, Iceman, and then if you're playing more kind of, like, techie decks, you can run, like, the zero zero Titania stuff. Uh, that just get kind of like this this mad power boost. I think they just have to buff the crap out of a bunch of other one drops. I want to make a bunch of I want to make a bunch of other uh, one cost cards one threes and just see what the hell happens. I think that that is something that they absolutely need to do is just 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 go crazy with trying to buff a bunch of other one drops because it's just been very clear uh, that as all these other one drops are at a one two level, uh, they're they're 
just not strong enough uh, to to ever see play. And uh, I think that there's uh, just tons and tons of different cards that if you just pump them up to a one three, maybe then they're then they're a consideration. So I mean, you can keep skimming off the top and make zero one two, and you know, cut Sunspot down a little bit and find all these different things. But then yeah, now we have this monster of of Kitty Pride, which is going to be really hard not to want as your one drop if you have the the six K tokens to spend on her once they fix her. Right. Mm-hmm. The, so I just want to uh, say uh, with the one drop thing, do you think that maybe the reason why one drops tend to be a bit conservatively statted is not because of their power being actually played on turn one, but the danger of them being played on turn six, right? As a sort of point slam surprise, here's everything at one point. I mean, we all lived through that, right? We all played zoo, right? (laughs) We all, we all were there back. I don't know if people know this. This might be hard to believe, but like there used to be a whole time in Marvel stamps meta where everyone was pretty convinced that every six drop sucked ass because it was just worse than playing a bunch of one drops on six. Like every six drop was just like, why are we even bothering? We're playing Dr. Dune to put five points in each lane. What if I just put 10 points in each lane? What if I just put 15 <laughs> points in each lane? Why do we care about this? Like that they, there, there, there is there, there was a phase of Marvel snap where that was the prevailing deck building strategy. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, a lot of that was because at the time Killmonger was in pool three and most players weren't. But uh, there 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 was there was a large portion of Marvel Snap deck building that was that was that was definitely based around that. I do want to jump a, over to Wild Wild West, man. <laughs> yeah, we're going to we're going to we're going to forget them. And I don't want to forget them. Shadow King and Sentry uh, Sentry. I don't know if you're familiar with the player, the human spider who was one of the people pushing me to like super high ranks early on by like chasing me uh, a guy. I, I once played him. I swear to God, like 20 times in a row. Shout out to matchmaking. Big fan of that. Um, but he has been messing around with Sentry, And I'll, I'll tell you this. He says it's like kind of legit good now. I don't really know how to feel about that, but I do think that like the upside of Sentry into Viper is so much higher than it was. Like it used to be 16 points if you give them the minus eight, but now it's like 20 points. Like the, 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 those are the kind of that's like a really significant number change. Like the fact that he's a 410 now, like people have been messing around with this uh, Ocean Mud Atuma Destroyer thing, right? And you know who kind of fits there now in that Atuma slot is probably Sentry. I'm interested to see what happens with that. Like, I kind of think that it makes a ton of sense to be playing stuff like Viper in maybe a Destroyer deck. I think it makes a ton of sense to be playing Sentry in your deck that sometimes zeroes the Sentry and sometimes donates the the 10 power, the, the negative 10 power void. Like, I don't, I haven't fully figured it out. I also think that, like, you know, there's there's cool stuff to be done with Sabu. Uh, Zabu discounting Sentry is like that. Like honestly, playing a four ten is kind of ridiculous. <laughs> like it's a kind of ridiculous thing to do. And I, I think putting Sentry at this level makes him one of the better four tens in the game. When you consider what the alternatives are, it's it's Atuma, mm, it's Typhoid, Typhoid Mary. Mary, and like Sentry, you can play around Sentry's drawback by just filling up the lane the Void goes in. Like I, I actually kind of think he might be the best of them. So I do think I, I do think I'm excited to explore what Sentry could be. I'm sort of holding off until like I'll be honest until other people like really start to flesh it out because 
I, I have never claimed to be a deck building innovator. That's not my bag. My bag is taking an archetype and trying to make it adapt to a metagame, right? That's the thing that I do. Um, and so that's, that's, that's pretty much where I'm at with it. I might start messing around with Sentry, though, in the future, just because, I'll be honest with you, he seems really cool. Like, he just seems cool. There aren't a lot of cards like him. There are no cards like him. I, I'm really interested with that. But by contrast, I'm not super interested in Shadow King, who is now, uh, yeah, he goes in Silver Surfer. That's cool. <laughs> he goes in Silver Surfer, and he, like, sometimes does things. Uh, he's, like, maybe not cool. the worst card in the game now, though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think he was. Like, he I don't was... think he's. I mean, Dude, he's something place. like my whole energy is crazy in this game. Like, you get 21 energy a game. To yeah. go from having to spend four energy on something to have three energy and have no other drawbacks, that's one energy buffs are crazy in Marvel Snap. My pitch for Shadow King was actually to make him a two three. I, dude, I, I was like, I, was, a, I, I said the same a, thing. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted him to be like an alt Scarlet Witch that yeah. you would include as a tech option in Sarah, depending on the metagame. That's what I think he should be. As is, you know, the three gives him some, some fun little upside with Surfer, which, by the way, I have maintained for basically since he got nerfed that I think Silver Surfer is still kind of a good deck. Uh, it, it's I just, just think a point it, like, slam deck, right? And it can't out point slam yeah. Shuri. Like, right. that's been the issue. And the like, but now, you know, you have Shadow King. You don't necessarily have to out point slam Shuri. Granted, Shadow King is the exact kind of interaction that I don't want to be playing into Shuri. Like th that, like that's the specific kind of interaction where it's just like, oh, man, I hate doing this. Like people, it's not as useless as you think. People tend to be like, oh, like, you know, a Shang-Chi is totally useless. But Shadow King, like, you know, at least, you know, 50% of the time they're hiding in an armor and not a Cosmo and it's actually good, right? Like, and like the way games actually play out, games don't play out on paper. Just because a deck runs armor and Cosmo doesn't mean you won't find spots where the card is good, right? Like, but it is sort of more limited. Like, let's say they don't play Shuri and they just like out mid-range you, you probably lose to that two like I, I don't really i don't really know they're like i i'm into the shadow king surfer deck but the reason i'm into the shadow king surfer deck is because i'm into surfer me too <laughs> banks your thoughts on on some of these nerfs uh yeah do the buffs i think are really cool like i said i i also always talked about making shadow king minus two energy and seeing what the hell happens because yeah. it is insane that if you take a card, you take two energy points off of it, and it's not the most broken, absolute busted card in the game, which it would not be if you did that to Shadow King. That's like how bad fine. the card was, yeah. It'd yeah, be like the, it would be, it'd be, like, be really it'd be good. Good-ish. It'd be like, you know, the Scarlet Witch or Sentinel slot in a Sarah deck. It could be Shadow King. Yeah. And then, so, so we'll see. I mean, I, I like that they, they made that big that big change. Maybe they, they up the power. Maybe they make it a 3-4. Uh, maybe they do bring it down to like a 2-2. Two, two. I don't know if they could bring it down to just a 2-3, but maybe a 2-2. Two, two. Uh, I'd be super excited about that. The biggest thing was Sentry for me, though. Um, this is something that people don't talk about with Sentry. The biggest, the biggest problem with Sentry isn't the void it creates. It's the first sentence on the card. This card cannot be played in the right lane. Mm -hmm. That is the big problem with it in my opinion and, and people don't talk about that that's the same reason why uh, uh giganto is unplayable garbage right now you can only play it in one lane and sentry obviously you can play it in two different lanes but i think if they were trying to buff sentry they should just get rid of that top one and people say oh well you can play it as the fourth card in the right lane and then the void won't happen okay 
That seems totally fine. By me. It's like, all yeah, right, that's actually yeah, good. exactly. What, you think exactly. Century's going to be broken. <laughs> Century's yeah, going to be so, broken. Yeah. So that's how I would have preferred if they. Uh, that's how I would have preferred if they uh, if they would have changed it. I think that being able to play it in all three lanes uh, would have been a lot more uh, flexible to the card because, like, if you get like a Sanctum or a Plunderous Castle in one of your first two left locations, you only have one lane that you can play Sentry. Maybe you really don't want to play it there, you know. So um, that that's what I think is the biggest problem. And I think if they would have just gotten rid of that first sentence as opposed to just changing the stats, I think that Sentry would have uh, taken a, a bigger jump and it becomes more flexible. And flexibility and having options is what I think is the most fun thing of Marvel Snap. Yeah. Yeah. I think that just oh man, this is going all the way back to like Cam's first question, but I, I do believe that you are playing like you, the way that you're engaging with Marvel Snap um, in order like, you know, the content more to have fun, fresh new deck ideas every day is how Marvel Snap was intended to be played, where it's like the Slam Shuri, like, can we outpoint Slam Shuri? Like, what's the best deck version of Marvel Snap that, you know, I, I might indulge well, thanks, in. thanks, man. Yeah. I really appreciate your support of my content and my vision. <laughs> I'm there right, I'm right there with you. Um, is is maybe not exactly what they had in, in mind, but I do want to ask you guys, uh, Kitty Pride. So Kitty Pride is this dark horse that's going to come back. It's going to cost 6,000 tokens. Um, does it just make the hit monkey decks, these sort of like these bounce decks, are they just now the best deck? No, 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 no. You know what deck it makes the best deck is mm-hmm. Thanos. Thanos? Okay. Talk to me about it. Yeah. Tell me the that, list. That's, I, I, is it Lockjaw? Uh, okay. It's the Thanos Death Wave Lockjaw list. Mm-hmm. And instead of running America Chavez, we run Kitty Pride. Okay. You're welcome. <laughs> For the two days I had Kitty Pride, I played this list. It was the most fun I have ever had. It was the most unfair pile of garbage I have ever put out onto the world of Marvel Snap. I don't know. She's not like it's not the best deck for Kitty. There aren't a ton of ways to abuse Kitty in the deck. But the fact that like the thing that deck is missing, and to be clear, I think that deck had, I want to say five of the slots in the top eight of the most recent Snap Battle Arena were Thanos decks, and I think four of them were the Thanos Death Wave decks. Like, this is, in my opinion, an archetype that has always clearly been the number two. Uh, In the Shuri meta, it was the number one before, of course. Now, one of the things that I feel like it lacks is the ability to play reasonable games of Marvel Snap when it doesn't get out ahead. Thanos is a deck that sort of tells the opponent what the quality of its own hand is. Uh, by, you know, like, if you see them play a Power Stone on turn one and then pass on turn two, you're like, okay, they're screwed. <laughs> like, they are, they have nothing. And then, you know, maybe they pop like the Lockjaw, who knows? But, like, they are donezo. If they're, because like, if they had, if they had the Lockjaw, they would have saved the Power Stone for the Lockjaw, in theory. They should have, who knows? But, like, things like that, where it's just like, oh, you don't have anything to do for a while, do you? And if you have Kitty Pride, A, you are doing something and B you turn off that read. If you're doing kitty pride, they have no way of knowing if you have more than one stone. Let's say you do kitty and a stone on turn two. They have no way of knowing if you have the lockjaw. They have no way of getting any kind of read on what you're doing. I remember I talked to KJB about it. And he was like, yeah, I ended up against Johnson and I basically just did that strategy of just like, I'm going to snap when I think your hand is bad. And just bullied him out of the game because the Thanos has the Thanos deck, the Death Wave deck has some really clunky and awful hands. You're about 75% to get one of the stones that draws a card if you're running Chavez in the deck. It's actually lower if you're not, I think. And you are you are 
like when you run Kitty, you get up to about 83 if you assume Kitty is a good draw on one. And like that, that is massive. Just reducing the amount of non-games where you can get bullied out by a smart player is such a big deal. I am an enormous Kitty Pride truther. I don't necessarily like I actually find it harder to envision her going in the Angela Bishop decks, if only because I don't know how that is supposed to look with her, where your curve is. Let's say you have a hand of Kitty Pride Angela Bishop. What are you what are you doing? Do you do Angela Kitty Pride on on three? Do you do Bishop Kitty Pride on four? Is that even good? Like, I don't I don't know. And so, like, there's this sort of awkward thing with her where it's like, you know, obviously, if she costs zero, it wouldn't be that awkward. If you beast her, it's awesome. I do think she goes in that deck for sure. But like the place where I feel like she gives a deck the biggest edge in terms of being the best deck in the metagame. Oh, man, that's Thanos. And that's to say nothing of the fact that, like, you know, she is effectively your sunspot, which is one of the one drops you would play, but you can't play because Killmonger exists, except she can't be Killmonger because you just pick her up. Mm-hmm. Like, there's just so much with her in that deck. Oh, you pulled her off of Lockjaw? Well, just take her out of Lockjaw, and then you have another roll at the Lockjaw. Like, oh, you pulled her out of Lockjaw, and you want to use her to roll the Lockjaw? Go nuts, roll her in the Lockjaw. Like, she just, she does so much. Like, I, I... I I'll be honest, the last two weeks have been awful without her because it's like, what, I'm trying to optimize this deck that I know I'm going to play with Kitty Pride as soon as it comes out. Yeah, I'm trying to, like, optimize this deck for the return of a, like as soon as this card returns, mm. I'm going to have to, like, change every single thing about it and every single thing about how I think about this. You open a Pandora's uh, box. My point with, is, uh, Kitty Pride my point there. is, uh, yeah, bring her back to me. Second dinner. <laughs> you took you took my 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 like. Sh- I talked about this, I think, with Jeff, Jeff Hoagland. And he was like, yeah, I think she might have been the single most fun card they've ever released. And then they took her away. <laughs> it's just like, I, it makes me so sad. She's so fun. She is such a blast. I hope the compensation is they give her to everyone for free. <laughs> Straight up. I, I want that to be the compensation. I don't think it makes any sense as compensation because the compensation ideally would go to the people who were affected, right? Like people who would have bought her. But uh, I, I don't everyone care that gets it for sense. free. If you yeah. spend six K tokens on her, you get the six K tokens back. Yes, yes. I, I that, think yes. I actually think that they're going to do that. Really? I I legitimately think I think there's precedent from Nexus events, which was a big catastrophic failure. Uh, and people were very, very upset about it. And then they just pulled the the Giga Chad move of just giving all, all of them all of the money that you spent on um, all the money that you spent on Nexus events back. You get to keep everything, and everyone gets Jane Foster for free. I think they're going to do the same thing. I think that, that they'll because they need a good PR move like that after like people are frustrated with it i think that they pull the the alt i think they pulled their alt dude i i also and and everyone is has roasted me for saying that but i i really honestly believe that's what they'll do i don't know if it's i don't know if i believe it's what they'll do i do know it's what i want them to do i also know that if they want people to enjoy the game more giving them kitty pride is such an easy way to get them to do that because holy shit she is so fun to play if you want people to enjoy playing your game, Kitty Pride should be in pool one. Like you should be playing with that card throughout the entire game experience. She's so fun. She just do 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 
People love taking game actions and feeling like they're in control. And she lets you do that to such a degree. She has such awesome synergies. I, I, I am. I mean, you can see it, right? Like the change in my demeanor when we talk about stuff and then we talk about Kitty Pride. Like I want her back so badly. Binks, do you have any lists that you're looking at with Kitty Pride that are maybe not Thanos that you're excited for? Yeah, I think that just like the the bounce list with uh, with, with Hit Monkey, like you said, I think that that she'll fit really well into that. I think also maybe she just goes into some kind of cool Sarah type Hit Monkey list that maybe don't focus as much on the the bounce archetype. Uh, I'm super excited for her. I mean, just like Cam Best said, she's the best card probably to have with Lockjaw because you can pull her out. Like that's kind of why people were even just forcing Nightcrawler into a lot of Lockjaw lists for a while because Nightcrawler was a great card where if it came out and it's like a low roll, then you just move it out of the way and then you still have space. And that's really how you want to utilize Lockjaw is just to, to lower the amount of chances where you get those low rolls where you get like two two power cards and then maybe like a six power card out of Lockjaw. You're like, well, why, why was this my whole game plan if they're just going to win this lane anyway, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so having, having that option to be able to almost search your deck for kitty pride which is a cool enabler i also think that she's going to bring bishop into the game a lot more just like hit monkey has done recently where a lot of people are playing uh, bishop a lot more on all these hit monkey lists uh i think that just uh you know she might just be like a two card package with just uh throwing bishop and kitty pride into a, into a deck that has like a slightly lower curve just because now that you have this option of playing kitty pride every single turn bishop gets over that level because uh, I feel like Bishop is always like if you're at a level where you can get the Bishop up to like a three like Maximus level on average when you're playing him out on like turn three or turn four. Uh, it's just a really good card to have in the deck because it's one of those cards kind of like Thor where they have to respect that it's going to get bigger. Like when you play out a Thor on turn three, the opponent has to play around you having Mjolnir, whether you draw it or not. And it's almost like not even just the fact that you'll get that Mjolnir later, but the, the fact that the opponent has to always be playing around it is probably playing a little bit suboptimally. Uh, Bishop does something really similar. You know, do they just play Doom on the last turn or do they play four cards out of their hand? And I have to worry about this Bishop, you, you know, wildly swinging on, on how high it goes. So mm-hmm. I definitely think that she'll bring Bishop into the game. And I think Bishop is a very fun card to play. So uh, I think that that's really good. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to test her in a lot of different, just kind of like Sarah lists. I'll probably play Thanos. I actually, <laughs> I haven't played Thanos in two months, I hadn't touched the card since like uh, for 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 two whole months because uh, I, I'm a content creator and, and those videos would never do good on YouTube. And I pulled her out for the first time uh, on Friday. I pulled Thanos out for the first time on Friday. God damn, that deck is so fun to play, dude. Thanos is, all, Thanos is awesome. You draw cards, dude. Yeah. Drawing cards is it's, sick. It's like it gets lost <laughs> in the fact that it's a meta deck, but it's like one of the most fun cards in the game. You know, I was like, had this big smile on playing Thanos. I was like, is this why everyone freaking likes this deck, dude? This deck is so much fun. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll play her in a Thanos deck too. I'll play her in like just some random Lockjaw decks and, and stuff like that. I totally agree. I mean, I, I didn't get to play with her as much. I think I only played really one deck and one stream with her. Uh, but uh, new mechanics, good. New mechanics, good. More new mechanics, more new ways to play the game. It it it, it keeps everyone's mind just like fresh and like yep. excited about the game, which is what everyone wants. Yeah, love it. Cam, I do want to ask your thoughts. I don't want to beat a dead horse because we talk about it every freaking season now, but the season came out and what was your climb like? Who did you play against? And do you have any thoughts about it? Do you think it should be fixed? The bots. I cannot tell you what a... F- detriment it is to my content that i play bots 
only bots. For, almost only bots. It's like 95% It sucks bots. so bad. Mm-hmm. Just be worse for I actually saw him. a streamer who streams in my time slot who had their title as no bots, and I got so fucking depressed I canceled my stream. Like, it sucks. It sincerely fucking sucks. And then I'll log on to Twitter, and I'll see people saying... You know, I think streamers are overreacting and they're actually playing players and those aren't bots. They just call them bots to like <laughs> make themselves feel better. It's like, dog, if I fucking wish they are bots. <laughs> yeah, there's like there's a I, sheet uh, I and am, everything like they are bots. I'm getting 100%. it from both sides right now. I can't decide if I am a, you know, ego protecting uh, streamer who just can't admit when he got outplayed and just blames it on the bot, bot clairvoyance or if I am a worthless bot farmer who can't actually beat any humans and just only beats bots. I can't decide which one of those I am. I'm definitely, I'm like Schrodinger's uh, mm-hmm. uh, Marvel Snap player. I'm both simultaneously, and when you look at me, it determines which one you see. Yep. And one of the things that I want to highlight about this, and we've talked about it before, is that it's multifaceted in who it affects negatively. It affects the content creators who produce a lot of the content and show off the game to the audience, it, it affects them very badly. The ones that have you know surpassed this this sort of outer range of the MMR bracket and now mostly play bots season after season. But it also, re- like if you look at Marvel Snap Twitter, it really freaking pisses people off that are not in bot ELO because they feel mm-hmm. cheated on a ladder system, on a ladder system with a reward. I, I'll tell you, I don't play bots. Like I played a, I played an infinite. I get the one oh five infinite, one oh seven, and then I just hang out. I play fun decks or whatever. I played this every season, but every single season, I open my Twitter on the first day, and it's day one infinite, day one infinite, day one infinite, day one infinite. This list, that list, this list, and played you're like two humans, and yeah. you're like, you're like, you're like, dude. It, it it really it doesn't it doesn't make me angry that some people don't because I, I think that it's it sucks a lot more to play bots than it does to not but i know from looking at my twitter feed that there are people that are incensed that they have a hard climb and they perceive other people as having an easier climb like this is a they're right like yeah. it's not it's not a perception it is an easier climb yeah. it's bullshit yeah but like like here's the like the, the, the this is the fucking frustrating thing because i've been where those people are right mm-hmm. but like this not for bot reasons but like back in uh the wakanda season yep i, I don't remember. know if y'all remember this i remember watching in the wakanda season. season i was in a matchmaking bracket with me and like five other super high-ranked players yep. and i had to climb to infinite against only those five high-ranked players that was it that was all i played against <laughs> meanwhile i was watching other people who would tell you they were worse players than me rush to infinite because they weren't in that situation. And I can tell you it fucking made me so angry. <laughs> like it made me so mad that I had to play, you know, most of the same guys I play now. Mm-hmm. And, but they're like, I only had to play them. Yep. That's it. I was only playing them. I had to go super positive against the five best players on my server. That's, that's what, how I had to get to infinite. That that's season. what it looks like. And Once you get to 80, 90, it's like you, you don't you don't play like this large group of players. And it's like, yeah, you know, it's just kind of like a zero sum and it's hard to get to infinite. It's like you play this like usually sometimes they're already infinite, but you play like the same five to ten players. And um, it's not that it's not fun. I guess it's just it's just it's just really it's know. draining. Yeah, it's it doesn't dra- feel rewarding. It's draining. Just doing the same thing over and over. It's draining in the f- in the idea that other people experience different things on a ladder. Like I think a ladder is supposed to be inherently 
as fair, Equal. like somewhat flair. Yeah, yeah, it's supposed to be. It's we're supposed to be the same experience. What is the point of these ranks if they don't mean anything? <laughs> they don't mean anything. If right? I'm if I'm ranked seventy, why am I playing a different rank seventy bracket than you? Yeah. Why am I not playing you? Like I, it it. Oh my god! And that that is to say nothing of like the sort of detrimental effect it's had on my gameplay. I'm sure I'm worse than I was <laughs> just from being stuck in this place where it's impossible to practice my skills outside of a battle mode. Yeah. And like conquest can't it, it, like, so like enough, I, man. I'm I'm taking I'm taking I'm I'm taking it from both sides, right? Where it's like on the one hand people are like, "Oh, you don't listen to Cam Best. He just farms bots." And it's like, you know, I I actually set up a group of high-level players so that I didn't just farm bots, right? Like I have a bunch of people in my Discord that I play against, and those are the people that you see in my videos. If you see those people in my videos, these are people who are top eighting tournaments. These are people who are winning tournaments. These are people who are, uh, by most metrics, by any possible metric, really, the best Marvel stat players on the fucking planet right now. And those are the people that I'm playing against whenever I record a video. But the fact that I have to do a workaround like that is infuriating to me because the point of ladder should be that I get to play against the best players by getting up the ladder. And instead I have to just be like, oh, well, yeah, uh, can you join my discord so we can do some battle modes? And it's like, I shouldn't have to do that. Yeah. I'd love to meet the person that looks at this system and goes, yep, that's it. That's correct. Um, Banks, do you think that this system is broke? After I said that comment, do you think the system is broken and how would you fix it? I mean, I know Conquest Banks, is coming. Can you say you feel like the system is great, please? <laughs> I, dude, I actually do, but it's not for the right reasons. It's just mm. because I meme enough and I play a bunch of different decks so that my MMR is at a point where I always play humans and there are always people who are like around my skill level. So like I mean I, it's obviously like it's it's very skewed I think on the top and the bottom end right if you if you uh, destroy your MMR too low you pretty much just get all the easy bots if you destroy your MMR too high you pretty much get all the clairvoyant cheating bots right but I mean if you're like more of an average player and you're you're someone who has maybe can can hit infinite if they play enough games and things like that. Um, my experience on the matchmaking ladder is really, really good. That's good. It's really good. <laughs> I, I play people who are who are good matches. I play against a variety of different decks. I don't just always go against Shuri. Uh, obviously, there's still people who are playing the best decks and like the Shuri and like the Thanos Lockjaw list, but I still get a lot of other just kind of like random, random different things. So uh i i kind of do joke about this on stream it's like y'all y'all made fun of me for not having infinite but but really i was tactile tactfully lowering my mmr year <laughs> season over season so that so that i actually get to to face real humans and and play the game how it's meant to be intended um i mean i think that there's some significant change i think the bot problem people will always always hate there has to be some level of a limiter for how many bots that you face uh, at a given point. And then I really do think that just about any infinite player will agree. Once you hit infinite, you should not be facing any bots whatsoever, especially when there's a leaderboard. Because if there's a leaderboard mm. and people can figure out the best times to farm bots and things like that, then put it all out the window, right? Like, what? Like, what's yes. the point of like having this leaderboard if the people who are going to get the highest are the ones who tactfully farm bots like what's what's the point of that and, and it does just suck i mean the the other big thing that i see on twitter is people who talk about their infinite climb and talk about how they just retreat for one cube against every single human and then they get eight cubes against bots whenever they face wait them. are you serious 
Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's lots there's of people, definitely talk people about that how, that, that, yeah. how that's just their strategy to get to infinite. And a lot of people on the Reddit talk about how like, this is the best way to get to infinite. And I look at that. I'm just like, why, why are you playing the game, dude? Like, I, I like, why are you playing the game to like avoid doing the actual fun stuff of playing against humans and then just using it to leverage bots so that you can hit this like arbitrary number? Like, I, I don't understand that Have at you all. Um, that the arbitrary number makes me cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe, I guess. Have you considered this? <laughs> it has three digits in it instead of yeah, two, yeah. so that's pretty My, that's my pretty arbitrary sweet. number is larger than yours, and that makes me a better person than you. <laughs> that makes me a bit bigger number, better person, dude. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that matchery, I think that the bots are, are the biggest issue. I don't ever have to deal with, like, these these top brackets like KM Best has to deal with, so I don't really have an opinion on that. But I do know that, like, anytime I face a bot, like, I literally am not even focusing on the game. I'm just looking at chat because I'm just like, yeah. okay, well, like, there's no reason that I'm here other than to just try and get through this game. I just don't know why it's like this. I don't know why any of the latter is the way that it is. I, I know why. It doesn't seem I, like it's a hard problem to solve. Yeah, I know why, but I so I know why, like that question, but I don't know why there's no nuance and why they don't change it for certain parts of the ladder. It makes sense, right? The low, the low, the low brackets when you start playing the game. Get games, right? We got to prioritize games. We got to prioritize people playing. We got to even prioritize people winning. People can't come play our game and they can't just lose five, 10 times in a row. We got to give them easy wins. But like this system just fundamentally breaks as you get higher in ranks and especially as you get the infinite. It's like, why would we apply the theory of rank one Marvel Snap to rank 100 Marvel Snap? It doesn't work. It's terrible. And like, that's that. I think that's our main issue is we've taken this very simplified idea of like how to create like a dopaminergic like ladder system where someone engages, wins enough, plays enough easy games, plays enough people, you know, sees that there's depth to the game, but then stays, you know, stays, stays playing. But now we've taken that and we've put it at the highest ranks with these people that are far, far outside of this like normal behavior pattern. And like, I just like, I'm like, come on, like we're months into the get, we're months into the the global release. Like let's add some change to like at least infinite 70 plus, like whatever it is. It's bizarre. Brendan, you just said the best word I've ever heard in my entire life. The dopaminergic. Yes. Dopamine-nergic. I didn't even know that was a word. That was the best word. I made I'm sorry it up. It's not a real word. Oh, it's not a word. It's a real oh, word. Oh, it's a real word. That is okay. a real word. I'm I'm putting it into my damn... Uh, I was like, damn, I've never heard that word before, but that I can was, tell from oh, context what it means. Yeah. Snaps for that word, dude. I'm going to use that word all the time. I almost now. took a cam word. I almost had to percolate. <laughs> That would have been a mm, chef's mm, kiss. Mm, yeah, he makes fun of me for for like knowing words. That it's are a going great on word. The SAT or whatever. It's a great but word. Then he just makes words up. <laughs> I see a double standard here. Uh, uh, do, I do, do you wanna, guys I think do that have... there's? Oh, sorry. Do, do you guys no, think you there's statistics that they look at where the fact that they're bringing down the queue time so crazy low, which is what they do. Mm-hmm. I mean. I, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I is queuing for longer than two seconds is super rare. Do you think they look at the statistics of that and how much it keeps people bringing back and continue to hit that queue button as a reason to to do these bots? Because I think that at at its core, it has to be something about what they're looking at because mm-hmm. they you know they are backed by a, like a mobile game publisher. They're one of the very first like true mobile first card games, uh, which which is something that that a lot of the communities had a hard time getting over with you know, the different price points and, and how they have cards and stuff like that. And I think that they have to look at things from a mobile game lens, which is just 
the longer that you get people staying on your thing, the the more likely you are going to get to get whales. Whales is how you make money, right? Yeah. So do, do you think that there's something in the statistics behind having these bots to to force these crazy low queue times, which, you know, they, they see the top uh, 0.1% of people who play the game are having a bad experience, but they're clearly addicted enough so that they're hitting infinite all the time. So it's fine. It's the foundational thesis for the game. Almost, I think without question, it's the foundational thesis, right? When they thought about creating Marvel Snap, they thought about differentiating themselves from other card games. That was part of it. Low queue times, you get to play the game, right? We're not sitting, because like that that aspect of gaming is very bad, right? Waiting for games, they're not made, because like also this insulates the bot the bot system and this low queue time system and these like matchmaking parameters that will match you in X amount of time, no matter what. They also get them away from a problem that could have happened on release, which didn't, which is like if the player base is low, if you've ever played a dead game that had online matchmaking, it's the worst experience you've, you've ever played. The game will die. It can You cannot play. And these games perpetuate themselves with their audience and the bigger it gets, the more matchmaking there is, the faster it is, the better. But also inversely, if it goes the other way, the game will just sort of exponentially die. So I think it's the foundational thesis for sure. But again, for some reason, they just haven't added nuance. I think it's a great it's a great thesis, but the nuance, right? At 100 or at infinite, at least, like that system doesn't work. And if your top content creators that are streaming to thousands of people are broadcasting to thousands of people on YouTube, maybe even millions on the aggregate are showing a sh- game experience which is what monobot play looks like then you need to fix a system like even if it's so even if it affects the point one it you know on their gameplay it affects a lot of the audience in terms of like the content they're consuming because it's bad content and the content creators tend to play the game more so they're more likely to enter bot elo it seems okay yep that's pretty much it i think that i like I just I, I I can't express what a detriment it is because like while I did go out and set up this group of testing players and they are fantastic players, I have to be so on when I play them. On ladder, I have cubes to spare. In a battle mode, I don't, and I have to be so on. I make one mistake, I lose the battle mode, and I can't show that the deck actually does what I want it to do. Right. And I obviously don't want these people fucking throwing games against me for content because that's that the whole point is that they're good players that I beat, right? Or that I am competitive with or whatever it is. The point is to show, you know, here's how this deck can attack this matchup, right? That's sort of where my content has gone recently, right? Mm. And if you can't... The amount of on I have to be in a battle mode is like five times as mentally draining as it is to just play ladder. If I were to just be able to play ladder, I'd be thinking, but I could, you know, pick a couple games that demonstrate the thesis that I'm trying to get across here. I could say, you know, here's a good game where you can see the power of, you know, Ultron or whatever. Whatever it is I'm playing, I can do that. And ladder is just so much more like for someone who does a four hour stream, the fact that my ladder doesn't work is a huge burden on me, basically, because I am forced to choose between trying really hard and ignoring my chat or uh, just playing robots. Mm-hmm. And these are these are not choices I should be having to make, basically. And battle mode is also a curated experience that has like a I mean, you're able to curate that experience because you have an audience and because you have people to play with. But like people that are mm-hmm. in body low that don't have that. I mean, they they yep. don't they don't play Marvel Snap. They play like some bot yep. tutorial simulation. There are a couple there are a couple guys, uh Revis, Elite X Hasa, who are, are the code deco guys mm-hmm. where 
I mean, I don't, the Code Deco guys stopped streaming Marvel Snap presumably because of this. Like, this yeah. shit sucks. Like it, and so like you have, they're like these are guys who are like you're just yeah, I'm like rank two hundred or whatever, rank four hundred or whatever, and it's just like, well, when's the last time you played a human? And it's never, and the same is true for me. And like these are guys who n- don't necessarily have the ability to go recruit players for battle modes the way I do. Mm. And so like it's probably worse. Like if you're trying to be an up, like you, you the the good thing about being an up and coming content creator is you get to be like. Uh, and hitting bot elos, you get to be like, I'm the number one player in North America. <laughs> like, you get to do that. You get you get your name out there, and then you then people start watching you, and it's like, oh, right. And I think I think at this point the novelty is worn off, and there aren't going to be any new, I guess, stars created out of that. And like, I, I just I really want them to fix the ladder. I feel like there's sort of diminishing returns on the next guy to break out by being a person who beats a lot of bots right and uh once they add the update and if they don't change the boss system you actually can't tank your mmr per what they said it's like you won't be able yeah, to do what awesome. you do now which is uh you can lose some games and maybe get out of body low it's rumored um being swerve i've never seen it happen we're big fans of uh, legally blonde over here so we have a listener question section called the bend and snap and we're going to go through it today. So our first question is from uh, Nagger Bluetooth. They say, question for the pod. The developers have mentioned that they have a watch list where they keep track of troublesome individual cards and clusters that might require a nerf if the meta cannot adapt. Do either of you, or all of us, have your own personal watch list? If so, do you have any cards less clusters that often get overshadowed by the more well-known examples? So some examples of this would be Galactus. That's a card that's on the watch list. Uh, Banks, do you have any cards that you, you would put on your own watch list or you think are, are troublesome or clusters of cards? Um. Oh, I mean, uh, there's the obvious answer of Shuri. I think that Shuri's, uh, I think that Shuri, even before she was as meta as she was, I think that she's been the best card in the game since her release. Uh, I, I think that it's, it's just insane that, that she's gone this long without uh, having anything touched on her. Um, as far as like, Outside of that, though, I don't know. I just want to see buffs, man. There should be a huge buff watch list of like the the crazy thing is that I was going through this on stream. I think that the one cost cards, the two cost cards, the five cost cards and the six cost cards all have like pretty bad trouble of like if you're not picking from the top five cards in these uh, buckets you're just doing your deck wrong in many, many ways, unless there's like some, some really significant synergy that your deck uses where you, where you kind of go outside of that. Uh, I think the three and the four cost uh, slots, there's a lot of different options. So there's less work that needs to be done because there's a lot of different kind of choices and good cards in those, in those buckets. But uh, I think that, you know, they, they've already done some small things with like nerfing things like Sunspot by just like a little touch and, you know, the little nerfs to Red Skull that they're doing right now. Uh, but but I certainly think that uh, in all those slots, uh, like I mentioned, I mean, I think that uh, you can start looking at in the one drop slot to start making like one three kind of like the premium move Misty Knight up to a one three, move a bunch of other uh, cards up to a one three, see if that helps things. In the two drop slot, you can move a lot of them up to two four. You know, maybe even push a shocker up to a two four, and then find all these other cards move it to a two four. Now with high evolutionary coming out, maybe maybe you don't do it with like the vulnerable card, but uh, same thing in like the the five and the six drop slot, just like kind of opening up the the possibilities there. So so I I, uh, I don't have like a really good answer to that question other than uh, figure out what to do with Shuri, uh, so she's not just like the it's a fact the best card in the game uh, like she has been for for months and months and months. Uh, but just just find ways to 
open up your design space to to try and buff other cards uh, with this new OTA change where, where we can be really, really um, uh, lean about it and quick about it, where you can pull things back if, if anything like breaks the game. Mm-hmm. Cam, you got new watch list cards? I'm trying to think of a watch list card that isn't a watch list card, right? Especially like, if it isn't like, Galactus, I'm, like that. Right, like I'm the meta guy, right? Like what, I'm trying to think of like, I'm trying to get, okay, I've got an underrated deep cut for you. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. No one complains about this card. Um, have you heard of this card, Leech? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've heard so of that brave, card. so brave. I see it. Even, I know. I see it in Patreon. I, I will nowadays. accept. I will take my upvotes to the left, please. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, no, like says, says the like, guy who literally ruined every Patriot deck that I see on ladder now. Who leeches? I did. I did put Leech in Patriot. I'm sorry. Well, I didn't do that. Technically, a Korean player did that. Won a tournament with it, and I net decked it. That's not the point. That's actually why the deck. By the way, I wanted to clarify this. People have been asking me why the deck is named Gunny Patriot. It's because that's the guy who I took it from. His name is Gunny. That's it. No, there's no like Shang Chi gun pun there. There's no, none of that. It's not a joke. You're not going like pew pew. That's the guy's name. It's Gunny. I would credit him in more ways. I credited him the first time I showed it, but as far as I know, he doesn't have a Twitter or a Twitch. He just showed up out of nowhere, dominated this tournament, disappeared like Batman. Yeah. <laughs> like, on, just, his, on his train ride. Just, just playing refused to elaborate, just, leave. Just showed up, giga chatted the tournament with Patriot and Move, and I have never heard from him again. <laughs> it, it's. A remarkable display. So if anyone does know him, please help me get in touch with this man, because I would like to make sure that he uh, his genius is on full display and a net deck him more. Um, but I guess I should be clear. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. Gunny. To, I, I feel like I said I used I used an assumption of a man there, and that's actually not necessarily true, I suppose. So I do want to note that as well. Um. And I, I, I guess, like, I, I think in terms of underrated watch list cards, mm-hmm. I would say that we should maybe keep an eye on death. Death, okay. I think that is the kind of card that will recurringly be like the third or fourth most problematic card in your format. And that's not, you know, that's not bad. Uh, but like, I'm, I'm choosing an underrated one here, so I'm going away from like the normal complaints that I make, uh, Armor, Cosmo, Killmonger, Galactus, mm. like the, the normal things that I talk about when I'm like, these are the cards I would watch. But I think Death and Wave at some point might need to be touched. I do not know, especially with the Sandman buff, if they feel as though Wave is a thing that should be happening. Because Wave, to me right now, for the most part, is uh, Sandman Plus, right? Yeah, Sandman Like, one of the cool things you could do with Kitty Pride in that Thanos deck was go Wave on four, bouncing Kitty, Odin on five, bouncing Kitty, and then, like, a six drop in a Kitty. And it's like, you just one-sided Sandman them. You one-sided Sandman them, and your Sunspot bounces around the board and goes wherever you need it to go. And it's like, that that is something there that is like, oh man, that's that's not fun to deal with. (laughs) That is is a super, super annoying game plan that is, as far as I can tell, very hard to deal with. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Well, for me, I, I mean, I don't even, I don't, is, is Cosmo on their watch list? I just want to highlight, I was reading through some uh, like a dev blog or uh, question and answer thing. They did you say, saw the Glenn quote, right? Where he was like, Cosmo's not as high up there as armor. Yeah. And then they also said there was cards that were coming to actually target Cosmo specifically that have already been developed. And, you know, it's a uh, cool in six su- months. I can pay $150 TM. for it. Yeah. <laughs> That's one way to put it's it. It's going to be so dope. <laughs> Um, but yeah, Galactus. Galactus is a pretty obviously it's on the watch list, but Galactus is one of those decks. I think that as soon as it becomes the best deck, they nerf into the ground. Like that thing is uh, I don't know. It's very asymmetric fun for sure. Um the next question here is from RDU, the next and last question. And they say, Do you think uh do you think doing smaller target of nerfs to Shuri is the solution? Taking one point of Red Skull, which was done before this comment was made, making Taskmaster Syscos, making zero a two power. Do you, and I'm assuming that they're implying by that 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 is the way to go versus doing something like where it's going to rework Shuri. Do you like those like one point here, one point there to supporting cards rather than, you know, maybe re-nerfing the archetype defining card? Is that the RDU is like the it's not. Hearthstone guy? <laughs> it's no, not. different RDU. <laughs> it's not the Hearthstone guy. I was like, what yeah. the heck? What the hell? Um, yeah, I mean, I, like don't, how- I don't know. I have, I have a heart. Oh, it's sorry, good. I was going to say, just like how if you play KM best on ladder, it ain't me. <laughs> <laughs> Fake KM best. Uh, I, I think that the touches, to, I, I think that they knew, do need to rework Shuri. And it's actually funny, Canvas, you have the exact, um, I, I think we actually talked about this the, the, uh, b- before when we were casting that one tournament, that we had the exact same change to Shuri, where you make it plus five as the, uh, plus f- or plus 10 as the max. I think that, that would be just yeah. like the, the best way to nerf her. Um, I think if you do that, I think it does bring the, the Red School interaction uh, now down. Maybe you can even move back to like a... 13, 13 power like like you was. I don't know because like at twelve, like the comparison I always use for Red Skull is Dino, right? Mm-hmm. So when you think of like you know you have this dependent four into large five, so like Dino Moon Girl is the comp, right? So you have uh, Moon Girl on five, Moon Girl on four, Dino on five is usually like nineteen to twenty one power. Uh, you have that being dependent on the cards in your hand, right? And then you have Red Skull, Shuri Red Skull, which is, you know, if, if we cap her to plus 10 and keep him at 12, uh, he goes to 22. So it's 24 total power. You could argue minus potentially four from the Red Skull. It's 20. But in exchange for that, you get like the better synergy with Taskmaster, more ability to actually play cards on the final turn. I think it would still be likely reasonable at... Uh, it would just be a different part of the metagame. I think it would still be reasonable if Shuri was capped at plus 10 and Red Skull could only get up to 22 like this. Like, that's in range of being as big as a Devil Dinosaur, right? You might have to start building the deck differently. You might have, because, like, now you're no longer... Because the whole deck is predicated on if I do this to the Red Skull, I'm going to win the lane. So I need to stop them from killing my Red Skull, Cosmo, Armor, things like that, right? The whole deck is predicated on that. If that becomes less true, the deck will have to change, right? That's not to say that, like, you know, it 100% will, but, like, right now, the fact that you are able to just do, like, yeah, Cosmo and Armor, you know, like, you look at a Devil Dinosaur deck, you can run Cosmo, you're probably not fitting Armor in there, though. Mm -hmm. And, like, that's that's because you have more ability to sort of move around with it, right? You're doing, like, a Dino plus a Dino. You're doing, like, a Dino and two Mystiques. You're doing things that are other than I am going to make one big guy and you cannot interact with my big guy. You are doing things other than that in your average dino deck. And that is, I think, 
the thing that makes Shuri so odious. But that is predicated on Red Skull being big enough to make it work. And if we make it Red Skull not big enough to make it work, then suddenly the uh, dirter roll head on keyboard, ah, you can interact with my stuff, finally goes away. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, Binks, do you think... I think that... Uh, I don't know. I would say that for changes, I do like the one point here, one point there, because it is a bit more dynamic in how it affects the meta, right? If you just change Shuri, it's like, okay, it affects like literally just Shuri and maybe just that top list. Like maybe it switches around to try to adjust to the to the to the rework. But when they when they do a point here or do a point there, like there is potential for cards that are buffed this way to maybe support an archetype to now create, you know, slot into a new deck, right? And give you more options. So I think as you know, as as deck builders, it gives us more options when they're they tweak, you know, little points here little points there and i think that that's i I really enjoy that system rather than just being like okay we're gonna strip the text off this card okay we're gonna make leech do nothing right leech emotes for you when you play it or something like that i do like i do like the points here and there Uh, the 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 only other problem with that though is that if we take it if we take these little one and two point powers off of these cards that are complementary cards to shuri right Mm -hmm. like if we just keep nuking taskmaster so you just can't run him in any other shuri deck and then that card gets so weird like red or, or sorry red school if you just keep like knocking one point off red school until red school cannot really be run in like any other deck then eventually you just like red school just goes away if you make cast taskmaster cost six like because of the problem with the shuri deck taskmaster kind of goes away in just about every other deck right you, you know so like i think that there's 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 some level of balance i think that with a card like shuri that has just been this problem card and just clearly like I said, I mean, I don't, some people don't agree, and plenty of people I'm sure don't agree. I think Shuri has been the best card in the game since she's been released. Uh, like, and and she, the people are just like slowly have have found out exactly how to extract her main power. I think if we just like ping down a bunch of other random cards, uh, just because the Shuri deck is really good, I think that's actually in the overall more limiting to the game mm-hmm. than just bringing Shuri's power level in line. Where you know, if you use all these other cards, then she's still like a tier one or tier two deck, but isn't like on that precipice of tier zero. Uh, and she was tier zero, I feel like for for a while. And now she's probably more on that precipice after they've uh, pinged down Red School a couple of times. I think that it's more damaging to the game and more damaging to these other cards. I mean, you see, you saw it with like Quinjet, right? Like Quinjet uh it pretty, like is very rarely run now like it's, it's even getting cut you know, even more from like certain like dinosaur lists and stuff like that because they they made that change uh, and it's cut from like the bounce list now because they made that change mm. specifically for thanos so i don't know it's it's a it's a proper balance that you have to have i think that uh if they can be okay with re- I, I think they have to be okay with reverting changes is, is a big thing with um second dinner it has to do i think is like reverting changes has to be okay with them because they've Never really reverted any changes. I guess there's been probably been a couple, maybe so far in like the history that they've reverted, but usually they just don't really revert changes after they make them. I think that if they are going to do that thing where they they just kind of like pick down a couple of different cards, then they have to be okay with reverting those when those cards are no longer a problem. Yeah, that's a good Agreed. point. Yeah, so like they uh, need to like like think about the card. Like cards are powerful in context; they get mm-hmm. nerfed in context too. And if that context changes, they need to be able to make those cards better again. I think that's, yeah, that's a great way of putting it, um, for sure. Uh, so, KM, Binks, do you, do you all have anything you want to close out with before I sort yes. of go ahead, sir? All right, this is where, <laughs> this is where we play the John Cena music. 
Yeah. All right, so this is this is where hopefully our editor dubs that over. I have no idea if they will, so they that probably stays in. Um we are doing a snap battle, me and Binks. And I have brought a roster of killers. I don't know what the format is going to be, but I trust my team more than I trust me. <laughs> like they are ridiculous ridiculous players ridiculously Some, bad what ridiculously bad whoa do you hear the kind of disrespect <laughs> that this man is launching at me you know let me know. tell you something mean gene oh, <laughs> i have never hey, seen things reach infinite i think he photoshopped that everybody knows he's never reached infinite everybody knows that when you put binks in a fatal four-way match with KM Best and Lambie series and clean up 141 and Moyen HS, you know he's not coming out on top. Got KM Worst here in my ear, playing 50 bots a freaking day, thinking that he still knows how to do battle mode against the big brain genius and Binks. You have another thing coming for you, my friend. And battle mode is where I shine. We're not gonna, you're not gonna get to play your Shuri Red Skulls. You're not gonna get to play your Thanos decks, okay? We're drafting a deck. We're gonna see who on the board can figure out synergies on the fly. You know who could do that? Binks can do that. We're gonna ban the cards that you play all the time. And then the person who plays all the stupid garbage cards all the time suddenly has a little advantage. Very weird. I think, uh, I think that my, my team it's exposed admitting his decks are stupid garbage. <laughs> hey, that's always that's always in the plan. It's all it's all about this false sense of security that you have, my friend. But we will see once it's on the board what, what's actually going to happen. Well, uh, I'm happy I, I was here to witness to witness that. <laughs> I'm interested to see. I, I, I'm keen to see to see the format, and uh, yeah, I I do know some of the players that Cam listed off, and they are killers. I think we're having Moyen actually come on the pod next week, so he can talk about talk yeah. about the destruction. So he, uh, he he better win, otherwise <laughs> we're never going to shut up. <laughs> yeah, Moyen doesn't show up on the pod. You know what the result was, bro. <laughs> All right. Well, we did have a review this week from Ben Gary. Ben says, this is my first month listening to the snapshot and is my third season playing Marvel Snap. The first time I hit infinite coincidence. I think not. I love the focus advice from Brennan and Cam Best that is 100% dedicated to helping people make better decisions in the game. I've learned a lot for, about card evaluation, deck construction, and in-game decision making from listening to episodes this month and going back to some of the first episodes as well. I found advice, the advice practical and possible to put in good use even without being a pool three compete player <clears throat> and reap the rewards in my ranking this season. Particularly love the interviews with Jerry Thompson, TLSG, and Banks. Oh, thanks so much. <laughs> it was no, <laughs> that's clear. <point. laughs> Sorry, I added that one. Thanks, guys, and keep it up. Oh, thanks for the review, Ben. If you want to get your review right out on the podcast, you can go to ratethispodcast.com slash snapshot. Helps more than anything else. Um, if you want to get your question right out on the Bend and Snap, which we did during the main topic of the pod, just shoot us a comment on YouTube below. And there is a video version of this if you're listening on pod platforms or youtube.com slash at the underscore snapshot. Like and subscribe right there. Twitter, I'm at BrendanAPG. Banks is at Banks underscore plays. Cam is at KMBestMS. And now we got the Twitch plugs. Both of you stream... What are your schedules? 
you guys, you guys pick who goes first. Yeah, you can catch me uh, either on YouTube. Binks uh, plays YouTube. I stream both live on YouTube and on Twitch at the same time. From Sunday through Wednesday, you can catch me at 9 p.m. Central Time. I got the nice little late night slot. And we do early Thursdays, which is going to be Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time for a bit of an earlier stream. And then I will plug this. Don't forget to check out this Saturday, the 15th, uh, April 15th. We are doing a uh, Team Binks versus Team Best battle. Uh, It's going to be really fun. It's going to be on the Snap Battles uh, uh, Twitch stream as well. So that is going to be a ton of fun. We're putting some really cool work in. Uh, it should be a lot of fun. And you get to watch your favorite snapshot host lose to someone who can barely hit infinite. It'll be a great time for everyone involved. That's that's how these stories go, right? The <laughs> underdog always overcomes the odds and <laughs> takes down the arrogant top end player. Well, not this time. <laughs> uh, I am, of course, overjoyed to be participating in this snap battle and I'm all I'm even more I'm even more happy to be doing it against you because I know it sounds weird considering like just how different we are in terms of the content we create but I've always felt like we kind of just get along as people in a way that is very odd in the context of you know we're basically opposite content creators <laughs> but you know the things we do agree on uh we have the same beard uh we we <laughs> have the same we same have uh, we stream sometimes. it like what now same hairstyle sometimes when I'm keeping it's up true. with mine. Sometimes. I'll never have a mustache as cool as yours, though. Um, I will never look like a police officer. I've, that is my <laughs> solemn promise to you as a viewer. I will never look like a cop. Uh, I am a cop, though. Uh, don't talk to don't talk about drugs around me. I am the feds. Um, <laughs> you, you can catch me at KMBestMS uh, on Twitch. That's going to be every weekday and Saturdays at 6 p.m. Eastern. Uh, I have been taking a few more just days off recently. A lot of that is a consequence of the fact that there's like, you know, X amount of bots. The fact that like some days when they're on, I don't want to play bots. I might not have the mental energy (laughs) to play four hours of battle modes. And also, and this is like, honestly, like this is sincerely a big, a big problem. It's the fact that I don't have kitty pride. And I can't play Kitty Pride. Like, I can't tell you exactly how how tough that's been. If I were able to play Kitty Pride, I would play four hour spots every day. But I, I, I don't I don't have Kitty Pride and it makes me so sad. But yeah. I will be doing some more focused content, some more battle modes uh, moving forward. Maybe even play a couple Sentry decks. I do have a Sentry deck I want to test. And so, uh, you, you, Binks, you say you might be you're like the, the garbage cards expert. Like, are you prepared to beat a Sentry deck? Are you prepared to handle a sentry deck? Are you prepared for me to whip out the Shadow King on you? I don't know if you're prepared for that, but... Just play Cosmo right on five forehead. Mmm, intriguing. Uh, All right, so that is is where you can catch me. Uh, I will be live, uh, should be every day this week, uh, Monday through Saturday. Uh, With the possible exception of Saturday, depending on if they let me stream my side of the snap battle, if my computer explodes when I try to stream my side of the snap battle, entirely possible that that happens, entirely possible that that means you'll want to be catching me on the snap battle stream in step. Awesome. Well, thanks. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Really enjoyed the conversation. Another 
Another long one. I love this. I love how we get we get we just get oh lost in the combo and it just flows. But um, <laughs> oh yeah, it was great talking God. to you. And it was great. It was great for me to meet you for the first time. Stand up guy. Binks, I'm so and sorry. Was, I'm so yeah. sorry. We Binks did is this like, dude. This was incredible, man. I love talking. I love talking about this game, dude. I, I will. I will sit down and hang out and talk oh with you guys about this game for two hours anytime. And uh, thank you both for being an uh, awesome host, Brendan. You, you could tell that uh, you, you've been doing uh, this podcasting thing for a long time, Brendan. You're an incredible podcast host, dude. Thanks so much. He's good. Have me on and all the 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 keeping us keeping us uh, railed in and all the really great questions, man. Yeah, appreciate you, and thanks everybody for listening. We will see you next week.